Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to Don't Interrupt Me, Por Favor. I'm Nick Leiber. I'm here with Lisa Button and Guillermo Fesser. We are the three people who do Don't Interrupt Me, Por Favor every, every week. Yes? Hola, Lisa. Correcto. Hola, Lisa. Hola, Guillermo. Hola, compañeros de la metalurgia. Desde la península ibérica se me recibe. One, two, three. One, two, three. Me recibido, se recibido, recibido, mensaje recibido. Y vamos a Madrid, vamos a Kingston y también vamos al sur, ¿no? Al, yeah. al sur. Sí, a la frontera, ¿verdad? A la frontera, mm -hmm. los borderlands. This time the borderlands in Texas. En Texas, ¿y por qué? Porque pues vamos a escuchar unas cosas, yo creo que son muy bonitas. We're going to incorporate a third language today besides Spanish and English, which we use all the time on the show on Don't Interrupt Me, Por Favor. Today we're going to incorporate the language of music, actually in a fourth language as well, the language of poetry. That was Yo-Yo Ma playing some Bach. We're going to be hearing a lot about Yo-Yo Ma today. La frontera, como todo en la vida, como este programa que es bilingüe, tiene siempre dos interpretaciones. Puede ser un lugar que separa dos mundos o puede ser una oportunidad para que se conozcan dos mundos. Y vamos a investigar eh, cuál de las dos versiones es la que ha elegido Yo-Yo Ma en la ciudad de Laredo, ¿no? En, vamos a hablar en, con alguien hoy, vamos a hablar en, con Yoyo Ma, con su hermana, con su prima, con alguien que le conoce, con algún representante de la organización de Yoyo Ma Sin Fronteras. Eh, ¿Cuál es nuestra conexión con Yoyo Ma hoy? Pues hay, un, hay una ONG que se llama Rio Grande International Study Center, pero a ellos les gusta llamarlo RISC, porque esas la, son las, las letras que usan. Entonces vamos a hablar con la, la directora ejecutiva. Hola, Trisha Cortés. Hola, buenas tardes a, a todo el mundo. Muy buenas tardes. Muchas gracias por venir. Don't interrupt me, por favor. Thank you for joining us. Hi. Trisha Cortés, executive for... director. Impresionante. Eso es impresionante. Yes, sir. Yes, thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Pero digo que executive director es impresionante, pero executive director de qué? ¿En qué, en qué consiste tu organización? ¿En un río tan largo cuántas cosas hacéis? Bueno, soy parte de una organización sin fines de lucro, un non-profit basado en Laredo, Texas, que se llama el Rio Grande International Study Center. 
tenemos 25 años y la misión nuestra es de proteger y preservar nuestra única fuente de agua, que es el río, y desafortunadamente este río sigue siendo uno de los 10 ríos más en peligro en el mundo. Y 6 millones de personas dependen totalmente en este río en ambos países, México y los Estados Unidos, y este mucha flora y fauna, cientos de especies de animales. Entonces es una es un río crítico para nosotros y hacemos mucho trabajo de varios tipos para tratar de mejorar la situación del río. It sounds like you have your hands full with a river that is giving drinking water and agricultural water to so many people in so many parts of Texas and so many parts of Mexico. And the river itself is the border, isn't that right? Yes, so the Rio Grande forms a huge portion of the border between the U.S. and Mexico. 1,240 miles of the U.S.-Mexico border is the river. And the river's headwaters are in Colorado. It's born in the southern Rocky Mountains of Colorado and goes through New Mexico. And then it hits right at El Paso and Juarez and then goes down to uh, the Gulf of Mexico. It's hard enough to monitor rivers when they're in the same country, but now you're looking at international treaties and such. I imagine with treat, you know, dealing with pollution and and all the things that can complicate the health of a river, the life of the river. Trisha Cortez, you got a phone call recently. It was from someone who is concerned about the things that Lisa is mentioning. Um, who called you? Well, it was really funny. About a month ago. We were in full force planning our fourth annual Earth Day Festival with Laredo Kayak Races, and we do it at Lake Casablanca here in Laredo. And then we got a phone call because our, our event was scheduled for yesterday, Saturday, April 13th. So we got a phone call and said, you know, we've got an opportunity here. Yo-Yo Ma, world-famous classical musician and cello player he's coming to Laredo and Nuevo Laredo and can we join forces and not split audiences and create a big celebration this was a phone call from the director of the Laredo Philharmonic Orchestra and um, he knows I know y'all are already you know in planning mode and getting ready for Earth Day but will y'all think about it so our board met and uh, discussed it, and definitely we couldn't pass up on on just such an extraordinary opportunity. Trisha, decía que se oían de fondo niños pequeñitos. ¿Son tus hijitos o son o es que estás en un parque infantil? No, sí, no tengo dos niños de cuatro y dos años, y este uh, los tengo hoy, so este les dije. No, entonces perdona, déjame que te, te I'm gonna interrupt you, por favor, y te voy a felicitar porque <risa> tienes entonces triple trabajo. Tienes eres directora ejecutiva de todo esto que nos has contado el Río Grande, que luego quiero que me expliques por qué se llama Río Grande en un sitio y Río Bravo en otro, siendo los dos nombres españoles. No lo sé cuándo empezó esta división, pero digo que tienes doble mérito porque eres directora ejecutiva y madre de dos patitos pequeñitos que tienes. <risa> sí, bueno, en México siempre le han me han llamado el río Bravo, porque antes sí era un río Bravo y, y que hace hay inundaciones todavía. Y pues 
no sé exactamente la historia, pero me imagino después del tratado de 1848 entre los Estados Unidos y México, me imagino que americanos le decían nomás el Rio Grande, el, 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 el Grand, you know, Big River. But it's a good question y tengo que hacer mis investigaciones and, and I need to earn that title. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was just curious about about how your your kids, if they were at the event, what they thought. Oh, they had a blast. The event took place down by the river downtown. There's a, a park that's right along the river, mm-hmm. right across from Mexico, right at International Bridge One, the pedestrian bridge for where people can walk, you know, across. It was a beautiful day. They had a blast. There were a lot of kids. There were a lot of games and. There was a lot of music groups and dance groups and poetry, and uh, Yo-Yo Ma was there, and our organization was there to have, like, our whole big Earth Day festival in addition to what Yo-Yo Ma is doing. So he's on a 36-city global tour all over the world, but it's an unusual tour. You know, he's a major humanitarian, And each tour, each stop has two parts. Number one, he plays an entire concert of the four Bach cello suites. And then the second part of his tour stop is a day of action. So when he chose Texas, he chose to play his concert in San Antonio, Texas. And then he wanted to have his day of action to take place on the border. And so he chose Laredo and Nuevo Laredo, um, the sister cities. And the whole theme of it was culture connects us. And he was very interested in the dynamic mix of cultures and how they mix on the border, you know, how powerful that mix is. That's why he wanted to be here and chose us for his day of action. And it was extraordinary. So he began by playing at the park in the morning. Uh, Everything was free and open to the public. He then went across into Nuevo Laredo. He gave a plática. Y después de esa plática, tocó también en un parque de Nuevo Laredo, Parque Juarez. And then after that, he came back across to Laredo. He dio una plática at the Laredo Center for the Arts. And then after that, he... We were having our big bachanga at the park, our Earth Day Fest, and all of these music and dance groups and poetry groups, food trucks and vendors. So then uh, he came to see our side of the festival and talk with us. And then he went back and played a couple of songs with um, some students. And I have to tell you that I really didn't know what to expect when he came to talk to us, but He was so kind and so humilde, and he really was listening to what we were saying, and he was so engaged, and he asked so many questions, and he gave good answers, and he had good remarks. Well, I I know he got his uh, public start in this country when Leonard Bernstein introduced him to John F. Kennedy and Jacqueline Kennedy to perform when, when Yo-Yo Ma was only seven years old. So he's been doing this for a wow. while. Wow. The water problem or the concerns about water, how did you explain what your main problem is to Yo-Yo Ma? We talked about 
talked about some of the work that we do. And, you know, one of the problems with pollution in Laredo, Nuevo Laredo, the, the river's very big, and it goes through many different urban centers. So it has different problems with pollution based on where it is. So in our area, we still have about 6 million gallons of raw sewage that are still coming into the river every day through Nuevo Laredo for different reasons. It used to be worse in the early to mid-90s. It was 26 million gallons. So it's gotten better, but it's still too high. It makes the levels of bacteria, E. coli, and, and such just, you know, drives them off the charts. And so the river is considered impaired in our area, meaning, you know, it's not safe for swimming and things like that. But one of the other more significant challenges that we're facing is uh, in the 25 years of our organization and probably in a long period of time of this river is that on February 15th, President Trump issued a declaration of a national emergency for the entire southern border. And that declaration will be the vehicle to bring billions of dollars to build an 18 to 30 foot, very intrusive wall that's gonna cut through the heart of our entire city of Laredo, our entire county of Webb, and downstream from us, Zapata County, a big chunk. And we believe that the impacts are going to be profound we believe that the wall is not going to address the issues of asylum and drugs, and it's going to create an ecological crisis in the years to come. So we did talk with him a little bit about that, and we also talked about some of the fun stuff we do. We do a lot of paddles on the river, uh, the Laredo Birding Festival, and all of these other things. El río eh, Rio Grande actualmente es navegable todo el río o le pasa como a, a the Colorado River que hay trozos que, que de repente puedes ir andando. Okay, bueno ya cuando llega el paso casi no hay agua porque hay presas en Nuevo México dos grandes y mucha demanda por parte de los agricultores y ya cuando llega el paso casi no hay agua y luego después del paso hay como dos cien millas y le llaman el Forgotten River, el río olvidado, porque casi no hay agua. Hay especies invasivas de unas plantas que toman mucha agua y pues no hay agua. Y no es hasta que llega a los pueblos de Presidio, Texas y Ojinaga, México, en este área donde hay vida nueva al río, porque hay un este una cuenca, el río Conchos, en México y que es bastante grande y desemboque hay en Presidio y Ojinaga y da nueva vida a este río hasta que llega hasta el Golfo. What is the hope? I mean, you guys have been working involved with the water for 25 years. Do you see any progression for the good or we're really in jeopardy right now as you said, it's one of the top 10 rivers in, you know, danger of extinction, right? Yes, and you know the number one reason as to why it's one of the 10 most endangered rivers in the world, according to the World Wildlife Fund, is there's not enough water to meet demand. And it's very hard to manage this river because it's an international river. It goes through three different states. And so there's so many different groups that 
sort of manage it, and, and every place kind of has different problems with the river. So it's a difficult river to manage, and there's really no single unit or entity that is able to manage the river. Basically, you know, our organization, you know, we want the river to come off that top 10 list. And this river, it's one of the most understudied, underfunded, neglected rivers. The big three in the U.S., Mississippi, Colorado, the Missouri, they get tons of funding, a lot of research, and a lot of focus on those rivers. And so the Rio Grande, as huge as it is, and as critical as it is, we want that to become the big four. And so we need for Mexico City and for Washington, D.C., to make this river a top priority. And it's taken us a long time to figure that out, believe it or not. You know, we were doing everything local and at the state level and finally realized a couple of years ago that we need to be on the radar screen in Mexico City and Washington, D.C. to uh, be able to improve the health of this river for us and for the future as the population continues to increase on the border. Climate change and very unpredictable weather patterns, we have to really get focused on, on preserving this river for future generations. We have been talking with Tricia Cortez, the executive director of the Rio Grande International Studies Center, um, but we have also on our show been talking uh, in past episodes about National Poetry Month in April. And this week we spoke to another guest who's from Texas and is a poet, and she had something to say about Yo-Yo Ma. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, Carol, Coffee Reposa. Thank you for joining us on Don't Interrupt Me, Por Favor. My pleasure. So you're a big fan of Yo-Yo Ma, who we're talking about today, and I understand that you once went to a concert of his that moved you so much that you decided to write a poem about it. Oh, yes. Um, I've had the honor of hearing him perform live two times, and uh, during one of his performances during which he was taking me musically to a place that I'd never been before. I was watching him bow his magnificent instrument. I was just spellbound. And in the middle of that, it occurred to me that if every man, woman, and child on the face of this planet had an instrument to play, a trumpet to blow, a whole lot of paper to draw on, a dance to dance, if every one of us had that kind of outlet, we would live in a very different world, and I think a much better world. I truly believe in uh, the redemptive power of art. Would you mind sharing your poem, How to Stop War? All right. How to Stop War. Put Yo-Yo Ma 
in every doorway. Put Pavarotti at each checkpoint, Perelman on the road to Kosovo, or in Rwanda's thick green hills. Let the hands of Archer Rubinstein float slowly over Belfast. Have Marsalis shoot cadenzas into Gaza. When we fill the boards of AK-47s with scores of Brandenburg concertos, when we arm the stealth with Mozart, no one will hear the voices calling them to blood. Remastered, they will find their families building ballads in the streets, see them tuning old guitars inside their tents, chords shimmering in cobbles radiant dust, rising past the minefields into melodies. That is very powerful. Thank you. It was a poem I needed to write. It was a poem I absolutely had to write after that performance and the idea that came to me. So the idea of imagining him transforming the world again at the border, it exhilarates me. I'm Carol Coffey Raposa, 2018 Texas Poet Laureate. Don't interrupt me, por favor. Well, and Carol has a new book of poetry coming out in hardback from TCU Press called New and Selected Poems. And she also works on a quarterly literature and arts magazine called Voices de la Luna, which, as the name suggests, is bilingual. And for our listeners who are writers themselves, that literary magazine does accept submissions from anywhere in the United States, so you can find it online, Voices de la Luna. Atención, humanos. Atención, Trisha, sigues por ahí, ¿verdad? Sí, sí, aquí estoy. Eh, nos estaba llegando la poesía sobre la capacidad que tiene la música para implementar la paz. Eh, yo hace muy poquito, a través del New York Times, descubrí un proyecto que parece ser que el presidente Roosevelt tenía hace años de crear un parque nacional de las dos orillas de Rio Grande. ¿Qué hay de eso? ¿Y qué proyecto es ese? ¿Qué posibilidades hay de que las dos orillas estén integradas, como decías tú, que hable la Ciudad de México y que hable Washington, para que haya un parque que una a las gentes de los dos lugares en lugar de separarlas? Sí, me imagino que está cerca de la, del área de Big Ben, ¿verdad? No lo sé, eh, no sabría decir, porque como el río es tan largo, yo me pierdo. Sí. Yo sé que, que está lleno de agua y peces, pero poco más. Pero es, un, es, un, es un parque nacional muy, muy famoso, ¿no? Big Ben National Park es un, es un parque nacional muy, que muy, muy bonito y, y que no está demasiado lleno. Puedes ir tú, Guillermo o Lisa, y no habrá demasiada gente. Puedes llevar a tus niños también. I think um, having an international park would be so extraordinary, but... I think in these political times, I think it would be so difficult because, unfortunately, the way that the political discussion is in our country, it's about making sure there's a divide to cut us off from each other. And, you know, a place like Laredo, Nuevo Laredo, and Laredo, it's proudly bicultural, proudly bilingual, the enlaces between people here and there. They're so strong as far as family and business and historically. So the idea of a wall that would just cut through the heart of our lands and ranches and city parks and nature trails, is it's so tragic. And it's one of the 
more lamentable chapters of, of border history that's taking place right now. And so the river doesn't know between to take allegiances or loyalties from one group or the other. It's a, it's a shared river and, and it divides us, but you know, ultimately it, it unites us. And these border communities specifically all along the entire stretch of Texas, 1,240 miles, you know, so many of these cities were founded because of the river. It's this ribbon of life through these kind of semi-arid... That's poetry. That's desert. poetry right there. Ribbon of life. I like it, Tricia. Are you well, interrupting again, Lisa? You. Are you interrupting? So, uh, <laughs> yes. You know, we think of it as just, you know, in this sense of the border, but it, like you're saying, para, para la gente que vive ahí en ese sitio y los animales y los peces, todo eso no tiene ese, el mismo sentido, es, es algo mucho más profundo. Nomás quería decir que es muy importante que la gente sepa que estos terrenos, estas comunidades son antiguas y son históricas. La ciudad de Laredo fue fundado en 1755, 1755, antes de que los Estados Unidos fuera establecido way before the state of Texas was established. And so these are communities that are just so profoundly linked to one another. And this river is, it's the reason for it. It's, so, it's our lifeblood. Trisha, when you, when you talk to your friends in Laredo and in Nuevo Laredo and surrounding areas, what do they say about this crisis that we, that we keep hearing about and is, keeps being portrayed in the media? Well, and let's be clear that that's how it's being called. Right? Being called, yes, crisis in. in we try in, to have truth in in journalism here on in, our in, show. In quotation marks. What? But what? Are, what do people say? Okay, so you know, Laredo is very interesting in that you know it's ninety five percent Hispanic. I think it's like the most Hispanic city in the United States. It's very bilingual, and politically, it votes overwhelmingly Democrat but it is a very conservative kind of city and community. So it's, it's an interesting kind of paradox. And this city, we tend to have a very good, strong relationship with law enforcement and with border patrol in general. So you have to understand that context. And here's the thing. I think the reason so many of us were so offended and so angry when that declaration of a national emergency happened, is we said, look, we are not living under a national emergency. The border cities in Texas, I don't care which one, El Paso, Laredo, uh, McAllen, Brownsville, these are some of the safest cities in the country. If you look at police department and FBI data, the Laredo homicide rate is like 11 out of a city of 300,000 people trade is flourishing. The city of Laredo, the largest inland port in the United States, processes nearly 40% of U.S.-Mexico trade. You know, when you think of a national emergency, you're thinking of a lawless wasteland. And so I think a lot of us resent that label. And, you know, when we have meetings all the time with Border Patrol trying to work on tricky issues I'm talking about our organization, et cetera. And when you look at their historic data of apprehensions of migrants, the numbers right now 
even though the headlines are very scary and very frightening, and the situation is acute, but it's not even close to the peak numbers of the 2000s. And so it was not an emergency then, so why is it an emergency now? And most of the people coming, they're claiming asylum, something that they can do according to U.S. laws. The demographics of immigration and migration have changed significantly over the last two years. Antes, it was a single male from Mexico coming to do work. In the last two years, that has changed significantly. The majority are now from Central America and their families, they're unaccompanied minors, and they're seeking asylum specifically. They're fleeing violence. Yes. And so I think when you talk to people here in Laredo, you know, how do they see this? You know, they will tell you, where's the emergency? You know, there's no emergency here. Pero and ¿cómo, hemos podido, a... ¿Cómo hemos podido, excuse me to interrupt you, ¿cómo hemos podido llegar ahí? Porque, vamos a ver, para que alguien pueda implementar esas políticas, para que alguien en la Casa Blanca pueda decir que declara el estado de emergencia, tiene que haber gente que se lo crea. ¿Quién se lo ha creído? ¿Quién le quién apoya? ¿Dónde está? O sea, ¿Qué ha pasado ahí en la frontera para que sea posible que haya gente que apoye esta iniciativa? Bueno, todos sabemos que no hay ninguna emergencia. en el, Lo que hay es un estado de, 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 de crisis social en Centroamérica y pobre gente que viene aquí a trabajar y a pagar impuestos si les dejamos. That it just sounds like propaganda or brainwashing that you would hear on certain media outlets. You know, they're calling them invaders, and uh, you know they say all of these things. And I mean, I could see, you know, if these people were just rushing the Rio Grande and just, you know, just coming over in a very chaotic, frenzied way. And yes, there are caravans, but so many are going to the legal ports of entry, the bridges or even in between, and, and they're claiming asylum. And so I think to answer your question, for example, the Border Patrol Union, you know, is strong and loud, and I think they have been supportive of uh, wall or national emergency declaration and, and funding for, for things. But there are some ranchers here that I think are for the wall, but there's many big landowning ranchers, small ranchers whose land gets to the river that are not supportive, that deeply oppose it, that don't want it. So, you know, I just think, unfortunately, this is a very, very political issue, unfortunately. Very complicated issue, in fact, and and I think maybe it's different in different points of the border probably comparing Tijuana or Nogales, ports of entry. I wanted to ask you also, Tricia, you mentioned specifically that a wall could damage the ecosystem. And I was just wondering, as we are approaching Earth Day on April 22nd, what can you help us understand a little bit how that happens? About more than 400 species of animals rely on access to the river for their survival. Si no puede haber 400 especies, cuando, a ver, la vaca, el gorila, salombriz de tierra, ¿cómo 400? <laughs> Hay muchos 
diferentes <laughs> tipos de especies, desde pájaros hasta los ocelots y jaguarundis y diferentes animales. Sí, pues vacas también. ¿Yacarundis? ¿Eso qué es? ¿Yacarundis? ¿Eso es un pez? No, es un como un gato, pero es endangered. Kind of, no, es muy muy grande. But um, okay. there's nice. there's a lot of wildlife, but then there's also oh. animals from ranchers, cows, horses, deer that depend on on access to the river as well. So when you go in to construct a wall of this magnitude, you have to clear out a lot of land on both sides and you build this structure and so animals don't have a way to get to the river for water this is a significant issue whether it's the, the smallest animal the pollinators to the bigger mammals to the lizards to amphibians and birds and fish you know the rio grande corridor entre laredo y brownsville nuevo laredo y matamoros se considera el corredor con la más cantidad de especies de pájaros en todo el norte américa the birdiest corridor in North America, <laughs> hundreds of species. I know, that's a real word. And, you know, so many word. of those birds, you know, a lot of them are warblers. They're they're smaller, you know, they can't maybe necessarily go up and around 30 feet to get their water. It's something that's really sad. And there was a, um, a media person who came, whose audience is the far right, and... You know, when we explained this, his answer was, you know, I love birds and I love animals, but I love humans more. And, you know, it's just, I just well, thought Mexicans that was... Well, Mexicans are uh, humans. Equatorians <laughs> are humans. Guatemalans are humans. Hondurans are humans. Right? I, but, it, uh, no, they're invaders, right? That's how they, they call know, them. Know, they, de they dehumanize them through words. They dehumanize them through labels. And, and yeah. I think that's such a sad trend in our politics right now. Yeah, and the question is, how do you how do you tell the story in such a way that that some of those people understand that believing lies is really going to hurt everyone? Well, let's go to the beginning, yeah. uh, Nick. Uh, Trisha, do you think? Uh, I, I mean, it's Nick' question, but do you think that Yo-Yo Ma, what he did yesterday, is going to help in the right direction? Did he give an impronta there? I mean, is something happening because of Yo-Yo Ma was there? You know, it's hard to know what kind of seeds he has planted or he's going to plant. You know, I want to be optimistic and say people that he knows. And who knows who he knows, right, in the world of politics or decision makers. And the semillas quizás que él puede plantar and the message that he can take um, to different people. We hope that there could be a change and that there could be a change in perception about the border. You know, most people would be not willing to go across into Nuevo Laredo. And he did it. And he gave a plática. And he played in a plaza, in a parque of a plaza. That's extraordinary. So I think him doing that, I think the message that he can carry, I think can reach the right ears and uh, maybe shift the, the ship or boat a little bit more in, in a more just and humane direction. Trisha, if you, what, what did the birds hear and what, what did the animals hear uh, from Yo-Yo Ma's cello? 
yesterday. I'm just curious. From from their perspective, how would you describe that day? And the people, or are you talking about no, the, talking the animals? About, I want to hear what she thinks. And we know. should... <laughs> the wildlife. Come on. We're all about perspective here. <laughs> Por favor, no hagáis, no hagáis preguntas difíciles a los invitados porque luego no quieren volver otra vez. ¿eh? Yeah, no, so in reality, I'm just asking, you know, like you mentioned, the river doesn't know from politics. The river is the river. The animals don't know from politics. So if they, if they were, there was a bird flying overhead, you know, what, what is that kind of abstract view of what happened yesterday? I think they heard just something soulful and pure and beautiful the way that they are you know because they make music every day too through their bird song and i think they heard something that they can relate to they heard somebody who can communicate with them through music qué bonito ahora hay que recordar con todo esto los pájaros que son animales que son muy bonitos porque además pueden ir por la tierra pueden subirse a los árboles pueden volar pero también el que inventó los pájaros se podría haber acordado de que no deberían dejar a los pajaritos hacer caca en el aire, porque es que te cae encima de la cabeza y es muy desagradable, pues muy bonita que sea la paloma, que te Buzz cae una debería ser ilegal. Luisa, muchísimas gracias por estar con nosotros. No, muchísimas gracias a ustedes. And this is Trisha Cortés on Don't Interrupt Me, por favor. Ole, ole, ole. <laughs> Good luck with your project. Good luck with the water. We all need the water. We all need the Rio Grande, Rio Bravo to survive. Viva Moreno! Viva Rio! Viva Yo-Yo Ma! Viva Rio Grande Viva. International Study Center. Don't interrupt me, por favor. <laughs> y viva la Virgen de Guadalupe, pero que no viva tan lejos. <laughs> hasta la próxima. Nos vamos, ¿no? Sí, hasta luego. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Adiós, Kim. Adios, don't interrupt me, por favor. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.